Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Myself, I go zero to real quick. Real quick. Whole squad on that real. Zero to Hello, welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue monster episode today, probably our biggest one ever, our hundredth episode. Woo! So I've been really excited. It was really about two and a half, three weeks ago that uh, we did the 99th and I was trying to think of something special and looked at the calendar and what a better day than um, one day removed from the Champions Classic. I'm still in New York City, um, and we had to get the gang back together. So if you were a listener from way back, um, you know, it's normally me and Aaron Gershon, and he moved on to a big boy job and, and all that kind of stuff. But we're back together for episode 100 to recap Kentucky Duke in the Champions Classic here on Wednesday. So, Aaron, what is up, man? So good to hear from you. Dude, it's been way too long. I, I miss doing this, and maybe we'll get a couple more in the future here. And uh, I don't know if we'll go twice a week like we used to, but maybe we'll get into a rhythm doing them a little more often. It's been too long, and uh, it's good to have basketball back. Obviously, it wasn't the final result uh, you wanted last night, and obviously in the other sport, uh, football that we talk about hasn't been pretty the last couple of weeks. But uh, good to have every- it's just good to have everything back and just feeling normal, really, man. Since we last talked, all these games, the energy, all the celebrities out there last night—that's what makes this uh, event special every year. Not necessarily the results, first game of the year. Yeah, we won't coach K this up too much and celebrate the hundredth episode. What kind Did of you know right it was into- last- it was Did you know yeah. last season. <laughs> yeah, I think they, I think actually I, I was fortunate enough and I'm glad you kind of just said that because hopefully as we kind of break down the game a little bit and project to the future, we'll have a little bit different perspective because I was there on the floor last night shooting photography and I know I miss a ton not seeing the TV broadcast and I'm sure you were um, watching on TV. So I'm sure we'll have a few things here and there that um, maybe each of us miss. But, but first off, Aaron, I really wanted to set the stage because that's kind of um, the good thing for me. Like you mentioned, just the environment, the atmosphere. So I'll start by saying this. You know, Kentucky, I think they've played in the late game every year but two, I want to say. And I believe this is the 10th or 11th year of the Classic. So, I mean, you knew without a doubt Kentucky Duke was going to get that late game. And it's kind of interesting because it's Madison Square Garden, you know, New York. So that crowd really fills in late. And there is a considerable difference between the second game and the first game from an atmosphere standpoint. And you could tell all the players, all four teams, were just really, really pumped and um, kind of wired up to be back in front of a big crowd in a neutral site game or something that actually really mattered um, that the nation's eyes were on. So that was cool. And then I have to say, Aaron, one of my biggest takeaways from last night, and we'll probably touch on this several times throughout the podcast, was that I've never seen John Calipari in the mood that he was in before that game. It was so evident that his goal was just to keep his guys relaxed and for them to get better and um, not necessarily worry about, I think, the end result. And I'd be lying a little bit, Aaron, if I didn't say I was picking up a little bit. He was really trying to solve the objective of keeping his team loose to avoid another 2018 scenario. He even at one point, Aaron, um, I mean, he's clapping, he's laughing. He doesn't do a lot of that in pregame and some – you know, some rowdy fans kind of gave him a, a, a woo or something like that. And he did. He let one right back out like Ric Flair. Um, and I've never seen him act like that. So I hope that's what we're going to see this season because Calipari really looked like he was enjoying coaching last night. Yeah, obviously that's awesome perspective right there. And you definitely saw even his halftime interview. He was so positive, even though they were obviously channeling at that point And there were some things that definitely had to be cleaned up. And it seemed just from – I didn't get to watch his full press conference, but it seemed like he was pretty upbeat, and he had a Twitter post that was upbeat this morning. So uh, I think I think he realized that last year was just so awful, and obviously a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, you lost the tournament. So maybe, you know, everyone 
takes things in perspective after all those things and you take it for granted. And uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. And I think he genuinely really is confident in this team and he doesn't want uh, to deal with what happened last year from a losing standpoint. And I don't think he'll have to worry about that. Um, but he's going to, you know, he, he's definitely coming in more confident this year, not taking things for granted given, you know, the circumstances uh, that the past has had a couple, the last couple of years have had. And uh, it's really good to see. Well, while we're hitting on kind of the pregame coaches' moods and stuff, I got to ask you this, Aaron. I jotted this down, and I'm not sure. I'm kind of torn. It appears very um, evident now that college basketball coaches are not wearing suits anymore. If they're not rocking them in Madison Square Garden, um, Coach K kind of looked a, a little unique to me or, you know, not himself, not in his suit and stuff. So I think we've had this discussion, but thoughts on coaches not in suits for big games like this? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think the suits are a dying art. Even in the NBA, um, you know, Tom Thibodeau, you don't see him wearing a suit ever. So, and he was there, it, by the way, last night. I kind of yeah. really bumped shoulders with him. He's always yeah. there. He really uh, – I think uh, every year that I've been to the Champions Classic, he's always been there. Yeah, can, uh, he's scouting. <laughs> That's what he's doing. But, uh, no, it's cool seeing all those Knicks uh, with Kentucky ties and even R.J. Barrett, obviously the Duke alum and so many celebrities that they showed. Um, and I'm sure you saw their – uh, but um, back, back to that, it's just – I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> well, let me uh, – let me, I'm going to jump into because uh, that we start – let's break down the game a little. Or let's, let's maybe look at it like this. So, one, one of my biggest, uh, I guess, question marks you could say that I've harped yeah. on all summer and fall leading up was that I was kind of comparing it to B.J. Boston. Like, last year we just okay, yeah, put yeah. a Sharpie marker in B.J. Boston as this like elite scorer, we knew we were going to get offense from BJ Boston. It was, it was, what are we going to put around him to do that? We know that wasn't the case and he really struggled. And I was making a similar comparison to Oscar Sheway and the fact that we had just, he was going to be a double, double machine. You know, he can't be in foul trouble because he's going to be a double, double machine. And I was really nervous, Aaron, that he was going to struggle. And if he wasn't a double, double machine, this team was going to be screwed in many ways, but I'll be damned if you're not convinced me after last night, that he's not going to be a walking double-double. So I think that was huge positive news for Kentucky. To see that come to fruition and him just play like an absolute monster with 17 points and freaking 19 rebounds. And he yeah. easily probably could have had 23, 24 rebounds. Yeah, he was – I mean, he was everything and more that they could have needed. I mean, I was saying uh, he's he could be the best big man they've had here since since Towns. And uh, oh, wow. I'm – I, I, really well, I, guess, I guess we've been on quite a drought with that, though. And we, that, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, Nick Richards obviously had a fantastic junior year, but uh, I wouldn't put him in that elite category of Kentucky bigs, at least here in, in the last, you know, 10 years under Cal. But, yeah, he, he's a game changer. And you know what? They really need him, and they're going to need him to do that every night. I, I think the biggest thing I came away worried about, and I, obviously, you know, despite the loss, uh, there was a lot to like. Obviously, the effort is there this year when last year you can definitely question it. And it looks like um, at least the three point shooting will be a little bit better and it's early. I'm sure it'll even improve more. But the thing I'm worried about outside of Oscar is the length of this team. I mean, Damian Collins is really raw in the couple of minutes that he was on the floor. He was getting bullied. I mean, <laughs> I, oh, yeah. you know, away from him. He had one dunked on him. Thing. Yeah. It just wasn't good. Um, Keon Brooks struggled and who knows who, what he is at this point. Obviously he's a junior. Uh, he, he didn't take the step that a lot of fans wanted him to last year, but that's because of the injury and kind of the weird year. But is he going to make that step this year? I don't know. Um, and then obviously Jacob Toppin's a really good player, but can he be a game changer? I'm not sure about that. And then obviously, you know, going down the death chart and Bryce Hopkins, who knows what he'll be. And he's only six, seven. So I'm worried about the length of this team, but if, if Big O is going to get you a double-double every night, uh, at least you have one presence in the paint and one, you know, guy you could always lean on to go get the ball when you need it. And one other thing I really liked about him is now, obviously, you just the game of basketball has evolved and everyone wants to shoot the ball. I really thought he was patient with his shot selection. There were a lot of times uh, that – he got the ball in a spot where he could have popped it, but it wasn't necessarily the Dude, best shot. I got, I got to stop here. And did you hear Cal after the game, though? He he doubled down um, on yeah. – late in the game, actually, wanting to shoot that shot. And it was very a la Nick Richards when, um you know, he was talking about he's one of the best shooters on the team or something. And a right. lot of fans um, didn't like that. But he seemed confident. And 
And especially, too, not even um, looking at Oscar like, oh, is he a great shooter or not? Got to ride the hot hand, man. He was having a good game. And I think that, um, you know, that something is to be said about that, you know, just kind of having the hot hand in the garden or, or playing with confidence. But from a front court perspective, too, um, I wrote actually in our Sea of Blue preview. Make sure you're following the seaofblue.com and, and at a Sea of Blue. But I wrote in the preview and I put a little blurb towards the end that I knew Damian Collins was going to get a couple minutes. And I thought that it was going to be really important um, for the trajectory of this team because I knew that it was going to kind of be this is your chance. And what were we going to see from Damian Collins? And I hate to say it, but I really wasn't surprised. Um, that's definitely one thing that I kind of get a good view of down there. He was terrified, man. He did not want any part of that going in. And kind of why I put that in the, the post and stuff, because I was really hoping that if he could get in and a couple positive things happen, maybe he gets a dunk on an alley-oop, blocks a shot. Because um, if he can just emerge, and maybe he will throughout the course of the season, he can do things that others can't. He's, he is what we need that Duke has. Duke's yeah. length won that game. Like, towards the end of that game, I feel like Mark Williams tipped the ball three yeah. and four times, towards, you know, from, from the eight-minute mark on or something that really ended up costing Kentucky. So, And then last yeah. thing I'll say about the front court, Aaron, is that – so I think last night, I believe Lance Ware played like nine minutes, Collins played a couple minutes, and, and Hopkins yeah. played a couple minutes. So what's that? That's, let's call it 15 minutes. I really think over the next, you know, however many games, or especially when we get into a big game, he's just got to maybe like split those guys somewhat equal and then based off performance go from there. And um, my honest thought out of those three guys is, is somebody that could really emerge as somebody to help this year in a, in a more of a way than what you're going to get from Lance Ware is Bryce Hopkins. I wish you would have gave him a little more run because he's at least super athletic. I know he's a little undersized, but – I think they got to find something between those three guys because okay. it, it just can't be all Oscar. Yeah, and they need—they really need Keon to take a step too. Sure, I mean, yeah. I, he had nine points, but um, only grabbed three rebounds and only one on the offensive side. So they—they they really need him to take the next step too. I know he's also—I think he's only six eight, uh, only six eight, but uh, you know what I mean. Just compared to length, compared to what we saw that Duke had there, but um, that Duke's team is just huge, man. And you're not yeah. going to see many like them. And that was a good point, man. You bring out Keon Brooks. I'm talking about the front court, and he doesn't even jump out to me. It's almost just like no, just you're expecting rough. you're expecting like maybe a little bit better than mediocre from him, but but nothing outstanding. I said throughout the preseason, one of the one of maybe the worst things was him draining jump shots everywhere, especially that first game because. He kind of needs to find his identity, I feel like. And um, yeah. and Cal made mention last night in the presser, too, just about – because I think Keon played 11 less minutes than any other starter. And before the, the guy could finish asking this question, Cal said, well, did you watch the game? He could not guard Ben Carroll, and that's yeah. why he's out. Yeah, he, he couldn't guard anyone. And like I said, only three rebounds. That's not enough from your starting four. Um, and you also – I mean, he shot 40% from the field, so that's not terrible. But, yeah, they, they need a lot more from him. Uh, they need someone to emerge as that number two because, you know, Oscar's obviously he'll, – he'll get his every game, but defenses will obviously key in on him, and well, they'll make him a priority, and they'll give guys like Keon, they'll give guys like Toppin, who's more of a defensive guy, he's not a great offensive player, uh, more leadway. So, and they'll, they'll keen in on Oscar. So – uh, th there's a lot to be done in that front court. Um, I, that's that was my biggest worry with this game, um, more so than the result. I, 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 if I had to pick a team, uh, it's I find college basketball really hard to predict a champion just because it's, uh, you know, the tournament. Anything can happen. Sure, yeah. But if I pick one team at the beginning of the year to win it all, it would have been Duke just because of their length, uh, their balance. They could they didn't shoot great from downtown yesterday. They only hit one. Yeah, um, one of but, thirteen. But off, yeah. But offense always comes. Offense always comes later, and they're so good inside and rebounding and defending that you know that's a recipe in March. They they kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Baylor last year, who was extremely long, extremely good defensively. Uh, I mean, if you remember, their best player, David Mitchell, is not a good offensive player. He kind of reminds me of Trevor Keels a little bit too. They're both uh, just like freaking junkyard dogs, man. And um, so a couple of things that concern me, I guess, Aaron, if you're looking at, like, the end result and how we got there, just the one for 13 from three, that, that's a Kentucky stat, <laughs> you know, over the last few years. That's, that's definitely not a Duke stat. So for them to only shoot one from 13 from three, 
And then also Mark Williams only played 18 minutes. Like I didn't realize that until well after the game. So he, he only played 18 minutes and you saw how much he impacted the game. So if he was out there more, um, you know, it maybe could have been a little bit worse. And oh, the well. last thing, I know we talked about the importance of Oscar. To me, I think, I think right now everyone's biggest fear is that front court. Can Oscar be the guy night in and night out? What happens if he gets in foul trouble? What do we do? All valid concerns. But after last night especially, I feel like Kentucky's um, biggest risk is, is Xavier Wheeler not being on the floor. Like, I just don't even know what they do without him, especially last night. And we got to talk a, a little bit about Tata in a minute. But when he's just totally off his game, I mean, Severe Wheeler has to do everything. And he's such a gamer. I love his game. And um, last night, though, I was talking to Jack Pilgrim a little bit before the game. And I said, you know, I don't know Trevor Keels that much. You know, what do you think of his game? And as soon as he was kind of going over just how, how incredibly strong he was and tough, I was kind of like, damn, because I know other guards, Severe Wheeler can really make a problem for them. But he was just so big and strong. So I think him being the catalyst is the most – like, I guess what I'm trying to say in a long way is that, like, I would be as worried or maybe even more if, if he was to go out over anyone else because he is just the straw that stirs the drink for this team. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. And, I, he, they, you know, a lot of the, – the two biggest worries fans had and I had with him coming in were the turnovers, which were not good last night. I mean, he had seven of – uh, so that's got to get cleaned up somehow. But um, and his three point shooting, uh, just given that Kentucky has been such a poor three shooting team the last two, uh, really last year, but a little bit the year before they had troubles early, especially. But I mean, he shot two from th- two for three from three and looked really confident taking those shots. So it, it was really good to see him. Uh, apparently, that's something he worked on a lot in the off season. And obviously, you knew he was it's a great ugly, pass. Though. It's uh, ugly, but he did drain a couple ugly. last night. He's a gamer, man. That's what I mean. He's he gonna. He, he could, you know, probably shoot with his offhand some nights and make it on a big stage because I just feel like uh, that's what Hooper's doing. And uh, Paolo actually said that after the game, Aaron. They asked him about Severe Wheeler, and I thought it was funny because one of the first things he said was he always plays under control, which I, Kentucky wow. fans, I'm sure, rolled their eyes. But the last thing he ended with, which is so true, is he just said, man, that, that kid, that guy was out there hooping. And uh, I think yep. he has a respect of every opponent that he ever goes against because he does not stop fighting. I, I mean – it, it blows my mind, and I'm sure they're thinking differently now, but a good portion of the Big Blue Nation was really scratching their head on that addition, and this team would just be freaking lost without him. Yeah, he was uh, – him and Oscar, I mean, two guys that obviously made everything go last night and were the two biggest bright spots. And uh, the, obviously those are very positive signs, but at the same time, uh, at both spots, uh, you need someone to step up next to them on a just – I mean, just as more tape comes out, opponents will key in on, on who's beating you, and they won't let those two guys beat you. They'll make Keon win. They'll, they'll make Keon beat you. They'll make Toppin beat you. They'll make Mintz beat you, whatever. So, uh, or Ty Ty, and we'll, like you said, we'll talk about his uh, struggles uh, last night. But, yeah, they, they definitely need uh, number twos to step up at both of those positions and be viable options. Um, and really, you know, it's – I was confused why they went away from Keelan Grady too in the second half. I mean, he was he was making a lot of tough shots last night, especially in the first half, and they really went away from him. I don't know if that was something uh, Duke did defensively to take him out of the game, but I, I feel like that's a guy who also can help kind of on both. You know, he's a he's a guard, but he's a bigger guard, so he can kind of help on both sides of that. You know, stepping up as a second guard and also uh, kind of playing down low. I mean, you remember they. They've moved guys down to the four before when they've had troubles in the front court. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, with Brady, who I think is six six. If they had to do that, that they would. Yeah, his experience definitely came into play. He made some big shots too. I think he hit three threes. I mean, he had some big shots at some big moments. He's been there. But I will be honest, there, and I was talking to a couple people about this after the game. Even though he played pretty well, that I thought he would be like a much craftier scorer because I mean he is a little undersized, especially for a league like the SEC. But um, I don't know. I just thought that he would have a little bit more in his bag that he could get buckets with. I still think he'll be a pretty good scorer, but I don't think he's like going to leave the team in scoring anymore, which I did um, preseason. So I just, have, I guess, been a little underwhelmed by his offensive package to this point. Yeah, it definitely wasn't um, what I expected. They were kind of 
couple of the one of the threes he took from the corner was kind of just he threw it up there. It didn't really look like you said it wasn't crafty or it wasn't uh, anything special, but he, he put it he puts the ball through the net. So uh, that's all that matters at the end of the day. But the, I was just surprised they went away from him in the second half when uh, obviously that one stretch toward the beginning of the half where they couldn't find anything and Duke was scoring every possession. Um, I, I don't even remember if Grady was on the floor or not during that. So, it, it, I don't know. It was a it was an interesting <laughs> game plan. It's game one. You're trying to you, you definitely saw Cal trying to push Ty Ty and have him play through the struggles he was having and um, kind of. I mean, Wheeler played 38 minutes. That's a lot mm-hmm. for a day, <laughs> first game of the year. So, it, it was interesting the rotation there and. You know, you had a lot of fans. The, the rotations were just interesting to me. There were, I mean, I didn't disagree with anything. Um, I know fans were complaining about Dante Allen, but you know, look at the look at this depth chart. Who who is he going to play over um, right now? So, it, all that's interesting. But Grady, I'm not worried about. I think, especially when I think these games that they didn't have last year, kind of the games you expect to win. You know, starting with Robert Morris on Friday, are going to be so beneficial for guys like Grady. Uh, Damian Collins to just get confidence and kind of find their roles within this team. Yeah, I think it'll be weird projecting forward. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe more at the end, but um, just because you're right. I mean, you're going to see a lot of um, Dante Allen. You're going to see Collins get some get more minutes. And I don't know. It, part of me just wants to say, hey, pick your eight and let's, let's let them get better. But, yeah. um, you know, again, we might need to find who that eighth is and then, you know, maybe even add a ninth player, you know, that has to come in and, and spots. But um, want to hit on Ty Ty, but since I brought him up, we got to talk about Paolo Bancaro, that kid. I mean, we knew coming in, everybody knew how good he was. I know I saw him play in high school as a junior, and with before warm-ups were over, I was pretty much like, as a junior in high school, this guy could probably come and be an all-conference player in almost any conference in the country, probably all of them. And he put it on display last night, dude. And what the, my, my two words, I think, to describe him are just, He's patient and he's and he's smooth. And I won't even say anything about his power because everybody knows that. But his patience with the ball and um, it, it's just so impressive. And he's the real deal, man. And he he really uh, he didn't even have an awesome game. You know, he talked about having those cramps and stuff, and and still just just put it on anybody that was trying to stop him. He he, he looks NBA ready. <laughs> I mean, geez, especially in this era. Um, you're surprised he didn't go straight to the league or the G League, whatever it is. But he was he was everything as advertised. Obviously, that's a guy Kentucky tried to get um, for a reason. And, you know, these big guys have been favoring toward Duke and UNC over Kentucky lately and other options out there. But, man, he was uh, he was a game changer. And he just – he was a piece of that lane with Williams who – and he was dealing – you know, both Pablo and Williams were dealing with those cramps. That's why, you know – I guess Montero still played 31 minutes, but Williams, like you said, only played 18. And they were still, when they were in, they were so effective. And that that's a, man, that, that's a tough front court that they have and more as well. And even uh, John off the bank, he was a, he was a beast down there. I know he didn't, uh, he only took four shots, only grabbed two boards, but you could see him going in, blocking a few shots and, you know, tipping the ball around. So, they just have such a dynamic group of forwards, and Pablo's obviously probably the front runner to be, you know, next year's first overall draft pick. But, uh, man, that, that's a tough team. They're going to be a tough out. And, you know, as much as the Coach K thing is annoying just when you're not a fan of that team and they're, you know, they're dragging it on and trying to, you know, push it, whatever. Uh, it is his last year. He is an all-time great. You know, you got to respect what he's done there. And you got to – if these players are going to go play for him every year – uh, he definitely has their respect, and they're going to want to go out and, you know, put him out on top. And he definitely has the roster to do just that. So they're, they're a dangerous team. There was a couple of points that kept getting brought up last night. One was the fact that um, Coach K not recruiting this summer, not doing any recruiting. So he yeah. had all that time with his team. They brought that up a while, which I thought was a really good point. And even the fact that um, – and the second point was Calipari made mention a dozen times probably – about how hard he recruited um, Bancaro and then several players on that Duke roster specifically kept um, hammering home the point that he recruited him the hardest and they just kind of lost out on him. And, ugh, damn, how good would this team be with him or any team, oh, but God. especially a team that needs, you know, some size presence in there. But at 6'10", I can just take everyone off the dribble. He can shoot the ball. Um, he can block shots. He can definitely finish around the rim. So 
he yep. was just an absolute problem, man. And, and it just kind of leads me back. Is is Duke going to be that team? Is it going to be the, you know, not to say Kentucky's that good, but, you know, in 15 it was Wisconsin. We we're like, oh, we don't want to play Wisconsin. We don't want to play Wisconsin. Yeah. There's been plenty of years when it was Duke. Um, and this year, man, it really does seem like that team was just drastically underrated coming in at like ninth, I think, is what they are. Oh. Because, um, But let me ask you this, though, and I know a lot of people like kind of use this term, and I, I'm not so sure that I'm strongly disagreeing with the point of the fact that Kentucky's um, – Kentucky – Duke made a, might have showed a lot of their ceiling last night. I still think they can get a lot better, but I think this Kentucky team can get a hell of a lot better. Like, they have a ton. So, I think they're, you know, they're they're not as close to their ceiling, and it'll just be dependent on that journey with Cal. But, you know, I don't know. I think if, if this team really, really improved, they could find either Lance or somebody to step up. I think, again, on another neutral site game, and you find a way to, to stop kills, um, you know, it could be a totally different game. Now, I could see this team being able to beat them, but what are your thoughts? Because I think some people think that's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you saw Duke struggle is that you assume they're going to get better uh, just as the season goes on to get into a groove is the three-point shooting. I mean, one for 13 is awful, but it's the first game. Offense always is slower than defense and really every, any sport. But, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think yeah, Duke really the only thing that they can – I mean, obviously they can, they're still going to get better. It's one game. But the only thing you didn't see from them that will probably be there at the end of the year is three-point shooting. I mean, defense always comes before offense, and that's really – you look at baseball is the same way. So that's, that's just how the, how the season will progress, and they'll get better as time goes on there. But Kentucky, obviously, um, it, you're, I think – I, I would hope to think that someone, like you said, is going to step up next to Big O in the in the front court and be that number two. Uh, same thing um, in in the back court uh, next to Wheeler. I think Ty Ty will be just fine. It's one game, um, but man, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Kentucky's further from the ceiling than Duke is. I think Duke is definitely ahead of them. Whether it's like you said, Coach K being with his team all off season or them. Honestly, just having the better roster, which is just how it is. But it, they're not what they were two years ago when they had uh, – or three years ago, I guess it was now, when they had obviously, you know, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and three top ten picks right there. But they might even be better in the sense where the expectations won't be there. I think the expectations really – I mean, it was those were all freshmen at the end of the day. So I think the expectations and the overkill there – might have hurt those guys, um, and they still went to the Elite Eight. It's not like they had a bad year by any stretch, um, but I think that might have been a big factor into why that team didn't thrive as much. And like you said, they come in only number nine. You know, all the talk is about Coach K. It's not about the players on that team, and they're just going to go out and play loose for them. And uh, they're they're definitely dangerous. They're definitely a team. Uh, obviously, we'll see how the season goes. A lot can happen between now and March, um, but. They're definitely a team that I'm already circling is let's hope they're not in the Kentucky's brackets uh, come come March because they're very good. And that's not anything against Kentucky. That's praise for Duke. Let me ask you this. If you can give a quicker answer if you want. Um, similar way to ask that question. So hopefully we can all agree this Kentucky team is good. They can be yeah. really good. But do you think they can be great? Whew, uh uh, I want to say they can. I mean, it's one it's game. It's tough, right? <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough after one game. And I know it's easier to judge this game a little just because of the competition than, you know, you're going to see them kick some – it's inevitable. They'll, they'll at least one of these <laughs> these uh, chippy games, they'll, they'll kick someone's ass and you'll be all excited about it, kind of like they did to EKU a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they have – they definitely have the depth to be great. Um, but they need it to step up, man. I mean, they can't be a two-man show like they were last night. And if they're, you know, if they have two great players, that's great. But it's not going to make a great team. Um, a good, it'll be a very good team. I think like a Sweet Sixteen team. But uh, I, I can't say that yet. We'll see. We'll see how it progresses. See how you know some of those other bigger games before conference play, like Louisville, uh, Notre Dame, go. So um, that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's hard for me to take a big stand. But I think it's a good thing that we saw the game. We feel like we have a pretty good idea of these players. And I don't think anyone's saying hard no. Like, no, there's no way they could yeah. be. We know how the tournament is. I mean, 
the, the best four teams don't always get to the final four. So they can just put themselves in a position. And Kyle's proven time and time again, especially the, the last normal year with the Maxi team and the Quickly team, just how they were freaking turning it up at the end of the season and unfortunately got, got robbed of that chance. But so big, the big, that's why I asked that question first too. The, the biggest puzzle piece to all this, and we probably should have led with this, is Tata Washington has to be Kentucky's best player. And to this point, he's not been. And I'm going to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to try to, to knock him and make too much out of it. But it was pretty obvious being down there last night that the moment was getting to him a little bit early. Like he's just – he wasn't really himself from like just that wide-eyed engagement I've seen from him time and time again every time I've been around him. And it just seemed like, gosh, there was half a dozen times last night, especially early in the game, where he just couldn't catch the ball. The ball was just bouncing off his hands. And fortunately, I can't really think of any besides one where the ref kind of got in the way and the ball went out of bounds that he lost. But it was just not catching the ball clean. His handle didn't seem tight. And then it was like he bobbled the ball and get it and then try to force something. So he was really off his game. And um, it concerned – it did concern me a little, though, Aaron, because it wasn't just like he was missing shots. I did – very much so notice a little bit of just um, mental obstacles that he was going through. So hopefully that doesn't carry over because he's supposed to be that guy that, that kind of has the it factor and um, acts as their star player. And, and I think for this team to be great, he has to be great. Yeah. Look, it, it was sloppy. I mean, that's the best word for it. And he only shot uh, three for 14 from the field. He, he was trying to do too much. And Cal actually used that exact, you know, exact phrase there uh, at halftime. And he even said he wanted him to, to do that. He was pushing him to make plays. So maybe there, like I said, I think Cal was pushing him to try to play through it and figure it out on the fly. And, you know, not every – look, it's the first game, so it's not to say he's not going to be a big moment player because there are going to be plenty of big moments, uh, assuming the season goes as planned throughout the year. Um, but the first big moment, not everyone responds, and that's okay. I mean, look at look at the Kentucky Duke game from three years ago, four years ago, and we know how how guys like Tyler Hero ended up showing up, and PJ Washington ended up showing up. So, uh, and then none of them showed up to that game. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard to judge off one game, but it's definitely a concern because the more pressure you put on Wheeler, uh, not to say he's not a baller and can't handle some of it, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, he's a turnover machine, Wheeler is, and he's he's a shorter guy who had a lot of shots blocked. So you need Ty Ty to step up to take some pressure off him. Uh, and I think he will, but it's one game, and it wasn't pretty. But and you, not everyone's going to have the Tyrese Maxi game, even dotting that same number three two years ago where it just looked easy for him under the lights. And obviously we know, you know, Maxi had a lot of struggles that year. Um, it wasn't all – he really, after the Michigan State game, man, he didn't really pick it up toward till SEC play. So, you know, maybe it's it's an opposite thing here for Washington, where you're going to get a little bit of a slow start. But that's a lot of freshmen, and I think I think he'll be fine with time. And that's why these games. It's so, you know, we complain every or I think every year before this year, and there's still some fans complaining that oh, the schedule's too easy. I don't want to see them play. Robert Morris or Evansville anymore. I want to see them play the best of the best. And that was exciting with last year's schedule. And then we saw they went one in six in those games before SEC play. So I think it's really important to have these kind of these winnable games here with Robert Morris and some of the other games they have. I know High Point's one of them. I'm blanking on some of the other cupcakes per se they have here. But I think it's really important just to in terms of gaining confidence and doing it while winning, seeing results and forming rotations, like you said, and finding those eight guys or maybe nine if they have to go there um, that are going to step up and be role players. But th these will be really important games for guys like Washington, guys like Damian Collins, guys like Lance Ware to build that confidence and prove themselves. Yeah, I thought it was a really weird position Cal got put in last night because I think you got to try to let – Tata play through a lot yeah. of that, you know, because again, you're, you're probably not going to win the game unless he's one of, you know, one of the best players on the floor. But then it gets to be like, man, he's hurting the team, kind of very similar to Keon. And it's like, at what point do you pull the plug? Um, it's something you said just kind of jogged my memory. There was some pregame availability with Seth Greenberg, who I love. He's like one of the best personalities in college basketball. Such a nice guy. Um, but he was talking, and, and his comment was that sometimes it's going to seem like Xavier Wheeler plays for both teams. <laughs> And I thought that was a, a good way right. to put it. And, and um, you do, you have to, you have to take some pressure off him from 
like a playmaking standpoint. But yeah, Ty Ty's got he just got to be better. And I and I, I want to say yeah, I think that he will. I think that he will. But I mean, he's got to be better to the tune of like a maxi to where you know late in late in February into early March, no one would have been surprised if Tyrese Maxi took over a game at twenty five plus. Um, you know, in advance Kentucky to another round, whether that been the SEC tournament or the NCAA yeah. tournament. So we need to have that same confidence about Ty Ty by the time um, that late February, you know, time frame gets here. Or, um, you know, I don't think you can answer that question with, yeah, Kentucky can be great because they just have to have his scoring ability and not a good showing, man, game one. No, I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, especially when uh, this was a young – this is not a young team like we're used to, right? So, they really – the freshmen that they picked uh, to be part of this this year were going to be, you know, pretty big factors. And I know Collins hasn't quite come along the way that we've hoped for yet. He hasn't really um, – well, it was only one game, but the the word on the street has been all off season that he's really raw and was going to be a project. And he looked every part of it in those two minutes. I think he had the most – of the guys who didn't play much, he had the most telling uh, short – time on the floor but yeah I think Ty Ty will be fine I really do I, I mean you're right though I mean Maxi, you knew he could take over any game and he, I mentioned he did struggle I mean he turned the ball over a lot uh he wasn't a great passer at times I mean he passed the ball but he his passes weren't effective at times he put up a lot of junk shots and that didn't go in I think he only shot like 34 percent from three on the air something like that so but every night he did go in double figures. That was the difference. He gave you something tonight, uh, and he played through it and really struggled at times, but he gave you production as he struggled. In Washington, he gave you nine points, but he shot three for 14 and didn't and, hit a three. And again, to my point, Aaron, you you gave Maxi kind of, a, I guess, a little more pass throughout the year yeah. because you saw him do it in the Champions Classic in game one. You saw yes. him take over a really good defensive team under the lights, make that huge shot at the end of the game. So I think there was kind of always that that seed of optimism planted in your stomach that you knew Maxie had it. And we're going to have to wait now. I said that just how you talked about the schedule. It's tough, man. It's another spot Calipari's in a really tough spot for. Um, and I think now that you've lost to Duke, um, it's set up great. <laughs> you know, you need it. You're going to need to tally up these wins, build some confidence, both your players, the coaches, the fan base. Everybody is going to kind of want to see some wins get put on the board. But on the flip side of that, and I've said this for the last few weeks, there's very little to anything that's going to be able to get the Big Blue Nation genuinely excited up until you hit that stretch of um, like Notre Dame, Louisville, and who I'm missing one uh, other – Ohio State. So Ohio State. up until you get to that point, man, you can go out there and beat Robert Morris by 55 points. Tata can score 30. And I don't really think the average fan is going to – um, you know, I guess feel the same way as if they would, you know, if they would have done it under the, the lights of Madison Square Garden. But you just have to go get those wins now. So I go back and forth. Um, I wish there was a couple, couple better games on the on the home non-conference schedule. But it's a tough spot, man, for them to put it in because everybody wants that until they're, you know, three and four through seven or something like that. Yeah. I mean, look, we learned last year how tough it is. And they had, you know, Notre Dame was a home game last year. Uh, and I know it's not the same type of home game, but it was a home game. Uh, and they, they lost that game. And they obviously lost, um, <laughs> I think, like we said, one in six. And their only win was Moorhead State before SEC play. I mean, they lost to the Louisville, lost to Notre Dame. Uh, I'm blanking on the how many, uh, how many it is. I just remember the Notre Dame game, man. How many, like, corner 12-foot jump oh. shots did Olivier Saar miss to win a game? Like, I just oh kept thinking, God. gosh, thinking back to how, how miserable that, how miserable that was. Yeah, that was a miserable night. I mean, that first half was – they were down, like, 28-5. to five. It was That's just right. embarrassing. It was an embarrassing game. But and obviously, they've only lost it by one. But, yeah, I, I, I look, I, I do – Agree. Uh, that's the lousy part of the non-conference schedule this year is that, you know, the game at the game against Notre Dame is in is in South Bend. The game at Ohio State is uh, the is the CBS Classic. So it's neutral site. So really the only exciting home non-conference game is Lowell. And it's obviously during that's right before Christmas break. So you don't get the same student atmosphere as you do for some of the other ones. So 
look, I get that, but <laughs> as we learned from last year, it's really important to get that confidence. I don't think at, at any point last year did we watch a confident basketball team. I think they always knew uh, the flaws they had, and they kind of tried to play through it. And outside of Isaiah Jackson, uh, not many people played well through it. So we, uh, we didn't talk about it. I just had written down there, and, and this was—I don't remember time and situation much because I didn't have a, a good view of it. But man, there was a couple costly missed dunks last night. I remember Oscar. I don't, were they both dunk tips? I remember Oscar missed. Uh, Lance missed a dunk tip, and I believe Oscar yep. did too. But those yeah, were bro. huge, man. I mean, obviously Kentucky what loses by eight points, but I want to say they were both in the first half too. So that was uh, those were costly missed dunks. And I, I did. I saw Cal let out a uh, an f bomb. I think on, yep. <laughs> on a couple. Of, he I think he did one on like kind of a dagger shot by Duke, and then he was not happy about those missed dunks because I mean he knew just how important every every point was going to be in that game. So they could have been totally different. They slammed those home. Plus those would have been big. Um, it was kind of the opposite of what they should have done. It was a kind of a momentum deflator by missing a dunk. But you punch those things home, and uh, you know you, you really add some fight back in. Absolutely. And I'll say this, one thing that was a positive, and it should always be one, but it hasn't been for Kentucky, and they didn't get as many chances as the other team, but they hit their free throws. Only <laughs> missed one of them. Uh, so they, they didn't lose any there. They lost one point, but so those dunks were even more critical because the free throws that they had, they made, and we've seen uh, free throws end Kentucky season in both of their last two tournament games, Kansas State and Auburn. Yeah, damn, I forgot a huge point we didn't talk about. Um, the referees, I'm very anxious to get your take on the referees, and we can kind of yeah. start wrapping up. I know I did. I saw several times, um, particularly, so there was the one that Keon made the shot. This was kind of like, I want to say about maybe midway through the second half. He kind of took the ball strong to the hole, kind of double clutched it and made a layup. 100% got fouled on that. Could not believe they didn't call that foul. Then the very next play down the court, you know, he kind of does his short corner post-up. They throw it to him. He shoots his jump shot. The dude was all over his arms. I mean, I could not believe that it caught a foul on that, too, because it was one of those, like, um, you know, he's going up and his arms kind of flail at the last second. He's thinking he's going to be shooting an A and one, and they didn't call those. So those two stuck out to me for sure. And I know everyone's been back and forth from where I was sitting. I was sitting on the ground, but I really thought they were going to call that, um, that goaltending to toward the end of the game. I've heard everyone say they didn't think it was, that it was really close. Um, so yeah. it didn't sound like they missed the call, but that was another maybe one that could have went either way. Yeah, that one I, I watched back, and they got – on first glance and the reaction you saw from the crowd, it definitely looked like it was a goaltending. You look back, it definitely wasn't. So they, they got that call right. The only other one that you didn't mention that they missed was early in the game. Uh, Oscar had a clean block that they called the foul mm -hmm. on. Uh, you saw he freaked out <laughs> when they made yeah. that call. I love Oscar. He, man. Right. he is the best. Yeah, he's a competitor. They didn't have that type of guy who would just fight for every board and fight for everything. They haven't really had that guy since, you know, Nick in his junior year. Um, and it's legitimately and, like Aaron, too. He can, he can just shut it off after the game. He just yep. instantly turns into one of the, the nicest, most, you know, well-spoken, yeah. thoughtful. He just seems so, like such a thoughtful person. So I hate being that guy, and I say this every year, and I didn't say it last year. Um, but this team really does just seem to be so likable. And, and a big point I wanted to land, Aaron, was that they really wanted to win. And I know that sounds stupid, but if you do this enough and you watch, you can kind of pick up on that body language. And I mean, they don't always. Like every they guy was like, you know, they're leaning forward, their their fists are clutched, and they were kind of living and dying on every moment, asking the right questions. Um, a specific thing that I remember was it, the game plan for Keon and Jacob Toppin to how they were supposed to guard Van Carroll was a big emphasis of the game plan, and both of them were really trying to help each other. They wanted nothing. They didn't. Jacob Toppin didn't want Jacob Toppin to play well. Keon Brooks didn't want Keon Brooks to play well. They both wanted each other just to play well. And I, I think that's a huge piece for this team because it's so, it's so obvious to me, having kind of been down there, that they're already bought in. And it's, it's early November, and they really just seemingly want to get better. And if they embrace that journey, that's kind of what I'm, you know, I'm talking myself into saying they can be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the really, really good teams are like that. I mean, they mm -hmm. play every game, whether you're playing Ball State, you're playing Duke. <clears throat> They're out there fighting 
and they're engaged and they want it every single play. They want every bucket in, they want every board. And we haven't seen that. Let's be frank. Last year obviously was terrible. Some, and you could question the effort at times. And even, you know, at points during the, the season, you know, before they got hot at the end, uh, the quickly and, and Maxi year, I mean, we all saw what they did against Evansville. The body language of that game was horrendous. Um, and there were some other games uh, through, through that year where I was questioning some of the effort from guys other than quickly and Maxi really. Um, and there were just some ugly moments in there uh, in what ended up being a good year. But <laughs> that is a really positive sign. Um, and they are – you could tell they're very engaged and they want it bad, especially Oscar, uh, Wheeler. I mean, those guys. Uh, yeah, I well, think so. I really do think Xavier Wheeler is the reason for that. I think he's, he's cat, kind of oh, one yeah. of those guards that, that demands that he's, he's here to win. And you, it's just it's just um, the body language you can really tell and stuff, Aaron, when somebody's not playing well and they're upset that they're not playing well or that they're upset that they're hurting their team. And I just continually yeah. am, am getting the vibe that these guys just want to go out there and win. And maybe a lot of that is, is due to last year. You know, they don't want to have another 9-16 and 16 yep. season. And it's it's easy to forget a lot of the mistakes individuals make, you know, when you're tallying up wins. So it might be the biggest piece of this whole puzzle is this team really seems like they are ready to embrace the gauntlet and, and how long this season is going to be and are just going to work to get better each day, which is usually, like coach speak, exactly what a coach wants their team to do. Yeah, and and like like we've been saying, that hasn't happened necessarily every year at Kentucky really since 2015, uh, where they did win every game till the final four. So yeah, that is that's as always is a positive sign. And yes, you, you can pretty much put a C on Severe Wheeler's jersey. I, I really believe that he is the catalyst. He's the captain of this team. Uh, he's going to bring the energy every night. He might also bring the turnovers every night, but he's definitely going to bring the energy. Uh, he's going to be as unselfish as it gets passing the ball and also putting up the right shots and uh, big O and there's the efforts there, man. And it hasn't always been the last couple of years. It's kind of the, you mentioned, you know, they're getting pissed off when they're hurting their team and they're, upset they're hurting the team. You see guys, you know, for example, getting into foul trouble and they're mad at themselves and they're hurting for me. You know, they're hurting for themselves. And they're not – if if they're mad because they're hurting their team, that, that's a huge difference. It really is. Yeah, I know. I agree. And I think the backcourt can be pretty kick-ass, man. If you get tied to playing severe, um, kind of eliminating some of the, the negatives that he brings to the table. And if you want one hell of a backcourt, so – Whew, yeah. What a what a night, man! I know I got to fly out here soon. Uh, the hustle and bustle of New York City is always about two and a half days for me, Aaron. I know yeah. you're a Northeast guy. Um, I really enjoy being here, but two and a half days, I'm super ready to get back. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it was an awesome experience, and th there's nothing like um, basketball at Madison Square Garden. Nothing like it, and I'm dying. I'm hopefully when I go visit my family here in December, gonna go see the Knicks. They've, they've, they're worthy of my presence again. <laughs> yeah, the Kentucky Knicks, man. It's, it's. They we'll are. end it on that, Aaron. Walking around the city right now, I mean, it's like you go and it's like a quickly billboard. Julius Randle. Yeah. I didn't see a Duke, Michigan State, or Kansas fan until I was walking to the arena yesterday. I've been here since early Monday morning. Um, and obviously Kentucky fans just littered all over the city. So yeah. that was neat to see. I know that um, Duke had more people in the arena. I learned they kind did. of all about their alumni connections here, being all the, like rich doctors or whatever they do. So that, that I guess, didn't surprise me. But just kind of overall presence around New York City, um, in light of it's probably because, you know, a, a Kentucky fan's not leaving without some blue on. Yeah, it was cool, though. I mean, look, you know, we're not high on Duke, but – you know, outside of basketball, they're, you know, they're, they're a uh, medical slash yeah. business smart school. So, you know, they have some pretty cool alums. It was cool seeing RJ Barrett and talking some smack with some of those Kentucky guys. He's the only Duke guy on the Knicks. And uh, actually, Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, was there because his brother uh, is a walk-on at Duke and playing for oh, wow. Jones was the quarterback at Duke. So uh, it, it, was, it was cool seeing the different guys from both schools. Uh, it's just so fun with the garden. You know, it always brings – you see, you know, the Knicks have celebrity role every game, uh, and they go through all the people who are at the game sitting on the court, and you pretty much have that plus all the athletes who have their night off 
you know, since there's no Knicks game unless they're on the road. And it was it's so nice that it worked out this year uh, that the Knicks were home. And obviously uh, the Kentucky slash Calipari connections. I mean, obviously you, you also add Kenny Payne to that. You add Leon Rose, who's Cal's best friend, uh, the Knicks GM. And then you add um, Derek Rose, who played for Cal at Memphis. So all the Cal connections, a couple Duke connections. It's just fun having everyone there. Yeah, the Champions Classic so amazing. I mean, obviously they're going to renew it, but, you know, just got renewed for the three years. So you know, such a I, good event, man. It's it's the, the it, best. I was very it, torn on it being the first game of the season when they kind of made that shift. But now I love it because anybody pregame last night that was saying this is going to happen, that's going to happen, aside from, you know, Paolo playing well or whatever, it's really just guessing. I mean, you don't know until that ball's tipped. So I love the first game of the season in Champions Classic. Yeah, and maybe I'm biased because uh, I'm a you know New York guy and grew up in that area, but it's just it has a different vibe when it's at the Garden. I mean, look, I, I love yeah. Indy. He's a great city. Uh, Chicago has some great spots too. Uh, it's a great basketball town, of course. But the stars come out when it's at the Garden. The the, the arena is more alive when it's at the Garden. And I know, obviously, Chicago is kind of more central to. You know, Michigan, Kentucky, and Kansas all in pretty close uh, proximity. Uh, same could be said for Indy. But when it's at the Garden, man, the players seem more into it. Obviously, the fans are more – they're just more fans there. When you have more people, you have more fans of all these teams um, and all the athletes and celebrities that come out. It's just so much better when it's at Madison Square Garden. So, it was great to have that event make its return after last year, not having anyone in the building, um, to have it in New York City. Yeah, and they need to move the CBS Sports Classic um, to home and homes because that's uh, been kind of the uh, opposite. But, but we'll talk about that as we move um, more closer to the Ohio State. This year yeah. it's in Vegas. Yeah, I believe it's in Vegas. Why? Just why? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I said. They need to change those to home and homes because none of the other th- – uh, two of the four fan bases don't ever go. But oh. anyway, we'll talk about that as we get yeah. closer to the CBS Sports Classic. Unbelievable night of basketball despite Kentucky falling to Duke 79-71. to 71. Um, Coach K's last game, J- just a very memorable college basketball experience. So hopefully, uh, what are we now? We're about 13 hours removed or let me a little less from that loss. People can kind of start seeing that for what it is. But Aaron, it was so good to catch up, man. 100th 100 episode of the Sea of Blue podcast. If you've been listening for a while, we more than appreciate you. And we're, we're going to try to add a little more structure now that college basketball is going. But 100th episode, man, really cool. Yeah, very cool. And uh it's a lot of fun having normal basketball back. And I, I think we'll have a lot, you know, this game had some positives, but, and it was a great atmosphere, but I think we'll have some more wins uh, to talk about as we uh, go forward here. And hopefully football too can turn things around. I'll be there in Nashville Saturday as a fan this time. It's my girlfriend's birthday. Oh, nice. so but uh, hopefully we'll have some positive to talk about there too here. Great place to see a football game. You can basically park like right next to the stadium. It's yeah. going to be uh-huh. in and out. Easiest as Most SEC stuff. football gets. Easy as SEC football gets right. It's usually an easy win down there, too. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try to uh, – maybe we'll try to get a preview in of that this week on the Cats by 90 podcast. Please make sure you're following at a sea of blue at Cats by 90. Appreciate everyone, and go Cats. We will talk next time.